it's never that enjoyable, I have to warn you, the first year, Chloe. Uh, this, this marks um, my last year, Chloe, of this, of this year, this Northern Hemisphere year. Um, in fact, it marks my, my last year for this, for this Northern Hemisphere year, because I don't think I'm teaching you again. Well, we'll, we'll do something at my house on Wednesday night, but I, I don't think I'm teaching you again this week. Um, and uh, and Tokkadei that, we, we just received within minutes the, the latest guidelines for Masa for bringing in next year's girls. Um, but it, it's been a, a very long year uh, for all of us, for those of us who started it in university, uh, for those of us who came two months late, and for those of us who started in Migdalors with MTA coming back almost 11 and a half months ago. We've like, been working around the year without, without any break. Uh, a, a lot of uh, thanks to our college Baruch we got through this year that we, you know, it, it's not a given that, that Midrashot and Yeshivot can be running. And a lot of thanks, you know, that, that this term, which has been essentially your term, uh, we've been able to, to do everything properly and we've been able to lift up these... Uh, you didn't ever see these, right? These were all down here, and everyone within masks. That's how we. That's how we learned for most of the year. Um, so, no, we we can't. Unfortunately, we can't because we. Yeah, in case, but um, but please God. So, uh, you you are also reaching a very important stage uh, because this little grey period for you of twilight zone uh, is transition from being. The babies of the midrashah to being the uh, the veterans of the midrashah. By the time you come back here, fresh off, fresh out of Warsaw, uh, we will be. We, we, we'll, we'll, you will be fresh out of Warsaw. Um, Shaina, are you spending time with the devil there? Yes, I thought. Yes, uh, I feel him, uh, and. Uh, with a totally different role, but you'll be a group of, of 50 as such, because there'll be 20 or so shall a bit with you, uh, with a whole new flock of girls, uh, whatever. Uh, but but I, I think, as you can already see, what, what Jer- I wish I could be with you in Poland, that the timing this year makes it uh, impossible for me to be there. I, I just, uh, six days before school starts, I can't leave the country. It's just not, doesn't make sense. Um, but uh, you will have, please God, a very important trip. And even if you think when you're sitting in these sessions and you say, well, I'm going to Poland while I need to sing songs, you, you'll understand once you're there what an integral part of the, uh, of, of the experience it is. And you'll also understand that Jeremy will never, ever, forever be tired of singing. <laughs> and you will find at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're, you're just about to pack up and Jeremy will start Nine, 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 <laughs> and and you'll be thankful for it. You will have, as we did have with the Northern Hemisphere girls just now, a, an incredible, uh, incredible trip. And Baruch Hashem, we, we generally do have those kind of trips. Uh, but of course, everything is a is a reflection of what you put into it. And uh, one other thing I, I want to say to you before we start is, is that the the whole year is is part of an experience and. Um, I think time that you're out of the Midrashah is, is a time to, to try and assess what, what you've achieved while you've been here. Uh, because ultimately everyone leaves the Midrashah, right? And, uh, and when you do so, you have, to, you have to use the tools that people are giving you here outside of the Midrashah. Um, and so Abayn Azmanim, which it's only, it's only four and a half weeks as such, but Abayn Azmanim is a time to assess yourself, to see you'll be in different places, I'll try and pop round and see you once you get to Gibbons. You know, that week, I think I, it's the week after Tisha B'Av, you said, right? So I, I think I have a bit of free time that week. I always like going up north. Um, and uh, I'll try and pop round and ruin your day. <laughs> oh, Miko. Oh, oh, hi. <laughs> but I'll bring you Rogelach. It's oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> a different reaction. I'll come. Oh. Bring you Rogelach. Hey. <laughs> so, um, it's a good time to see what you've done and uh, look forward to, to the next term, which is a, a very different term. I want to dedicate this year. Uh, I've spent the last two days interviewing uh, in South Africa. It's been interviewing Lishma, because normally when I interview in South Africa, I'm treated to very, very good food. 
and I wasn't uh, because I did it on Zoom and uh, and didn't have uh, didn't have the chance. I had the uh, the very very unique experience of, of interviewing five Hirsch Lion girls in one year, which is uh, which is quite incredible. Um, uh, and but I have been hearing as well. Uh, uh, of the devastation in South Africa and the terrible situation, really, which you know about more than I do. Um, and the difference being from most of the countries that we come from, that, that it's not an organised enough reality to be able to see light at the end of the tunnel uh, at the moment. In most countries, you know, they, they, they know they're vaccinating and they know they're vaccinating at a certain speed and they know that, that at some stage things, things get under control to a degree. Uh, and there is a really bad situation. Th this year is, is being dedicated to a, a very good friend um, who, who three of his daughters came to the Midrashah. Uh, we, we had Danny and we had Dina and we had Yaeli who was in the Rova. All Levies, uh, were, it, they're all married now, right? They're, they're, they're in the Rova. Yaeli was in the Rova yesterday with her, with her baby girl, gorgeous girl. She married Ethan, yeah? And, and also, of course, Ilan's wife, Tammy, Tammy Levy, was also at the Midrashah. You've got to put it away. She was also at the Midrashah. She was Tammy Datnow. Uh, I don't even know when you know who Tammy Levy was, but to this day when I see her, I still say, don't do Datnow. <laughs> uh, and her sister, Candice, was at the Midrashah. So it's a family that we have a long relationship with. And uh, uh, Mr. Alec Levy, he, he got corona and died within days over a month ago. Tonight is his Shloshim. And uh, Eli told me yesterday it was a Shloshim. I thought, well, you know, I'm doing Sheikh Ali, so let, let's dedicate that to him. He's a wonderful man, a wonderful family. And uh, at the same time to everyone, right, who's uh, Yakira's parents are, are sick with corona. And uh, they're old people. Uh, and uh, a lot of people have got corona, they get through it. A lot of people are sick people. And uh, so hopefully our learning will be a chizuk for such a uh, a wonderful community over there, which I have to tell you, uh, with, without any, uh, any um, reflection on Australia, that there are two places in the world that I like to go to. One is Poland, uh, Ukraine, Lithuania, uh, and the, the other is uh, South Africa. I love going to South Africa, and I haven't been able to go to South Africa for, uh, for two years now. The last time I was there was Tishavav, uh, two years ago. Um, because the people are such a, such a warm and, and lovely community. Um, I'll include Durban, even though I don't know the Durban. I've been to Durban for days. On, yeah, yeah there were. <laughs> so uh, we're finishing. We're finishing the the Sefer of Bamidbar, and we will begin with uh, please God, round about Kitetse. Shoftim Kitetse will be will probably be the next official Sheikh Ali. I might do a few zoomies, but um, I, yes, yeah, we probably should put the aircon on. So this week's parsha, we have two parshas. Okay, we have two parshas this week: Matot and Masay. And I, I'm not even going to go further than the first part of the first parsha. And I'm not going to get to the first part of the first parsha until I've done the first three or four s sources, okay? And I'm going to start, you, you need to look at the sources, okay? I'm going to start with a pasuk in Bereshit Perek Bet. Now you know, I made a few extra, I didn't know whether alumni were coming, so... There should be a few spare. Just leave them there for the moment. Um, I don't think that came on. But, uh, it did? You know there are two Bereshit. There's Bereshit Aleph and there's Bereshit Bet. There are two very distinct descriptions of the creation of the world. And in Perik Bet, and two very, very different descriptions of the creation of man. In Perik Bet, when... Uh, when we're, we're, we're doing an antithesis of, of Disney here, okay? So in Perek Bet, when the, the Pasuk describes man, it says in Pasuk Zion, Vayitzar Hashem Elokim et ha'adam, afar min ha'adama, God made man from the dust of the earth, 
And he blew into him a soul. Let's call it a soul. And the man is described as being a nefesh chaya, which I can't even translate. I don't nefesh chaya, a living nefesh. Now the Targum Onkelos, who was Rashi's Rashi, okay, the Targum Onkelos writes, nefesh chaya ruach memalala. What does ruach memalala mean? Ruach memalala means, says the Ketav Kabbalah, Shebedibur va'amira yotzei ha'adami ma'amad ba'alei chayim. Through speech, through the ability to speak, and that's why this is the antithesis of Disney, right? Disney has spent uh, the last half century making animals speak and making animals human. But that's not a Jewish tradition. The Jewish tradition is that what differentiates man from animal is man's ability to speak. Animals don't speak. They speak in a certain way. They make noises, they communicate, but they don't speak. That when a human being speaks, it differentiates or can, has the potential to differentiate between us and animals. Animals who can't speak. And suddenly this animal that God created is transitioned into an animal that speaks. An animal that speaks. It's interesting that he says this because there's also the issue of choice. He says this is what really distinguishes man from animal is man's ability to speak. And that's what the Targum means, that when God breathed into man, he gave man the ability to speak. So now go to the Chofetz Chaim, in Shmirat HaLashon. Why did the Chofetz Chaim come to mind, Tali? Because every girl I speak to in her shrines tells me she likes Moradina's class on Shmirat HaLashon. So the Chofetz Chaim says, Ki adohu that man's advantage over animal is that God has enabled man to speak. The ability to speak. However, we have a qualification. It's only if we speak in the correct way. If we use speech in the right way. Not if he uses speech for bad. And that's like everything, right? Because we have the choice. Animals work on instinct. So if we choose to use a gift that God has given us in a bad way, it makes us worse. It makes us worse than animals. Right? That's something on the subject that we've been discussing, we've been discussing all afternoon, directly or indirectly, is that... Is that Animals kill, right, because they're predators. I once gave a musadrasha to a cat in the front garden of my house because it killed a rabbit. And then didn't eat it. And I, I, I managed stood there. But there was in the rubber. Huh? I thought that's what no, no, the cat. No, the mouse and the cat was in the rubber. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I got angry with the cat. Number one, it was my daughter's bunny rabbit. But, but number two, I said, I, I said, I said, eat it. I eat it. You, you killed it, eat it, and the cat just ran away. You didn't even eat it. Why? But you can't really get angry with a cat because that's what he does, right? Uh, on Shabbat, on Shabbat, I was at Sudash Lishid, a family Sudash Lishid, and there were about five doves on the windowsill, and a cat went all the way up the tree, and it was trying to jump on the doves, and it got stuck in the tree. I said, Magia Lecha, I'm still talking to cats. It serves you right, right? But, but, but at the end, it's the nature of a cat to do it. You can't give a, and the cat, if it does catch a, a bird, you won't go to jail, because that's what a cat does. And you can't tell a dog off for, for excusing himself in the middle of a road. You can tell its owner off, right? But with a human being, human beings have choice. And therefore, human beings have to, have to take responsibility for their actions. Have to take responsibility for... And therefore, if a human being does something wrong, they're worse than an animal, because you had a choice. Because you had a choice. A cat kills because a cat kills. A human being kills, it didn't have to kill. A human being never has to kill. And if a human being kills, then the human being has to answer for his actions. 
And it's the same with speech. We have speech, and, and we, have, we have the way of speaking. It, it's something which is under our control. It doesn't just automatically go bad, the way we speak, the way we use this gift. It's an incredible gift that we take for granted. Who is the person who desires life? Because if you don't know how to speak, if you don't know how to use this gift that HaKadosh Baruch has given you, you know, you've lost that power. God gave you the power to speak. It's an incredible thing. Again, we take it for granted just as, as we take pictures for granted. Right? You ask a blind man to, to describe the color yellow. He can't describe the color yellow. Because he's never seen a colour in his life. He doesn't know what colour is. You ask a deaf person to, to talk about music. They can't. And we listen to each other and talk to each other and communicate with each other all day long on, on, on issues of faith and issues of Torah. And we take it and we understand, we question. It goes backwards and forwards and we don't realise what a gift this is. So he says that a person has to know... Um, the power of speech. Now, if you've read the Pasha, you'll wonder, okay, Beseda, what's this got to do with the Pasha? So we have something extraordinary at the beginning of the Pasha. Now, now it's not extraordinary that you've never heard this before. You have heard it before, but few people have thought about what it really means. So, so li- listen, listen, and, and we, we're going to start this week's Pasha with the Pasha of a Nader and a Shavuah. What's a nader? Just a general idea. A nader would be a, a vow, right? But, but you understand these days. How many mitzvah are there in the Torah? It's not a trick question. 613. If I make a nader that I cannot put my foot on this chair, I have 614. Understand that? It's an isso Torah for me to put my foot on this chair. If I make a nader that I'm not going to touch this table, I have 615. That's an incredible thing. God has given us in this week's Pasha the ability for a human being to add something into the Torah for himself or herself. You can decide, right, that, that if, if, if something is not good for you, it's not an Isur Torah, but it's not good for you. That's what Nezirut is, right? If, 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 if I feel that I need a timeout, I, I need to, a timeout from society, the Torah doesn't give me that chance of a timeout. But I, I say, I mean, you know what, I'm going to be a Nazir for 30 days. Timeout. It becomes an isotora for me to drink wine, an isotora for me to go a bake farot, an isotora for me to cut my hair. But an isotora like it would be to eat pig. And I do that with my mouth. That's it. I, I say something and it becomes asur. The power of speech. So the Chovetz Chaim is talking about the power of speech, about talking about speech positively. But here we're talking about the power of speech on a totally different level. I can be makdish something. I can sanctify something. So Rabbi Sachs says here, it starts with the dinim of Nadarim and Shavuot. Now, Nadarim and Shavuot, it's very hard to think of separate English words to translate here. What is the difference between a Nader and a Shavuot? So he explains, Nadarim and Shavuot hem chovot What they have in common is that they are both obligations that I create with speech. I make something also by saying it. I can do it today, right? It's not, not advised today, because if you do it wrong, you have to bring a korban. You can't bring a korban. But I can do it here and now, right? Uh, I can, you know, we, uh, uh, a nader not to go to the square. I'll do that. No. <laughs> a nader not to speak to JF, right? It, whatever it can be, but then it becomes an Isur Torah. So he says, mashu. These are obligations to do something, or mashu, or to refrain from doing something. So what's the difference between a neder and a shavua? The neder is on the object. I, I forbid myself to sit on this chair. This chair becomes asur to me, but not any other chair. What's a shavua? I forbid myself to sit. Then the Isra is on me. I cannot sit. Okay, so the Nader is on an object and the Shavua is on the subject. Okay. I can say, I'm making a Nader not to eat radishes. Okay. 
yeah, why radishes? They're quite nice, right? But why radishes? Danny Bird doesn't understand. Why, why radishes? Why do you pick on radishes? I make a name not to, not to eat radishes, okay? And then for me, a radish is like a pig. What's a shavua? A shavua is That's something on myself. I will not speak, or I, I make a nader not to feed someone, not to do an action, but it's on my body, not on the object. I'm not going to eat something, but it's not on the object itself, it's on me eating. So the food isn't asu for me, but the uh, action of eating is asu for me. You understand the difference here, but what they have in common is that, is that I'm able to prohibit something upon myself. They attach or srim alehim et adam. So there's a holiness here. Again, why did I start with, with speech? Because this is the use, man's use of speech to sanctify, to make holy, to separate. And if I want to cancel a nader, there are certain procedures I have to go through, right? I have to go to a beit din, I have to mit charet, I have to show regret for my... For my uh, this happens sometimes in halacha, right? If you do a minhag three times, it's considered as taking it upon yourself. And if you want to relieve yourself from that minhag, you have to sit a beit din down and you have to explain what you've been doing and why you regret doing it. And then they can relieve you of that, uh, of that prohibition which has come into, into being. Adam But once you've sanctified something yourself... You cannot relieve yourself of it. You need a bait in to do it. Uh, or, uh, you can see that the Judaism relates to speech in such a serious way. I have to tell you, there were two other sources here that, that I left out in the end. One was the Panim Yafot and the other was the Maharal. Long, long paragraphs on on different types of speech, but I just felt at the end of the day, it, it's just going to be too complex to, to get into. But there are sources that we can learn together. Uh, I'll bring them to kibbutz. So we know, right, that, that we start off Yom Kippur with Kol Nidre. The whole discussion of what Kol Nidre really is, is a big halachic discussion. But you start off the whole evening of Yom Kippur relating to the way people have, have used speech and people ha- need to annul speech of certain kind. Over the page. So we come to this parasha, okay? We are, we're not moving much over the next few weeks, right? It, essentially, from the end of Sefer Bamidbar until the end of Sefer Devarim, we are on the borders of Israel, and Moshe next week is going to begin his final speech to the people, which will end with him dying in Vezot HaBracha. There's no, no, no action in Devarim. There's going to be a narrative that relates to things that have happened, but there's not going to be any new action in Sefer Devarim. We're at the end of our trail in the Midbar. Moshe is giving his final speech, which isn't an hour, Shil Kali, it's eight weeks. Okay, it's going to take eight weeks to do. It's going to be every parsha in, in Sefer Devarim is going to be Moshe Rabbeinu speaking and relating. So we are on the verge of entering Israel when we get to this week's parsha. The idea, the idea that we began with in Bereshit, the idea that we've been working with since Bereshit has been to build a people which is a different people, not a pagan people, not an idolatrous people, but a people who's going to enter the land of Israel with a monotheistic theme, with belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we're going to build a Migdash, and it's going to be Or Lagoyim. That's the plan. Chevra Chovshit, we're, we're aiming to build a free people. HaMiusedet al Brit Bein Ha'am Le'elokav, that is based on a covenant between man and God. Between man and God. Uh, Man and man leads us to the most ridiculous realities. I don't know whether you follow the news. I don't see why you should follow the news in Chutzah. In England, though, let me just tell you what just happened in England. They, they caught on camera the health secretary of England um, kissing his aide. He's married and she's married, and they caught him kissing her on camera. He was forced to resign. 
Do you know why he was forced to resign? Not because he was married and she was married, but because he did not socially distance from his aide when he kissed her. And therefore, laughable but tragic that you've got a country here who demanded the resignation of the health minister not because he has a wife and three children at home who he's meant to be committed to and she has a husband and children at home who she's meant to be committed to and they were caught red-handed on camera. No, no, not because of that. That's their private business. Even though every human being in England saw the film. But their sin was that they broke social distancing. That's... That's a bit between man and man. That's what happens when there's no God in your country. There is no God in your country. But we're meant to come into Israel and create... Honestly, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was reading the article and I thought, I assume he had to resign because this is not done, right? You're married, he's married, whatever. No, no, no. He, he broke the COVID distancing rules. So he must, he must resign. Who cares about his wife and kids or whatever? And, and every one of his kids had to watch on television... All week, his father kissing someone else. Who cares? That's not important. That's not a value. That's not important. You don't need to resign for that, for the pain you put your family through. No, you don't need to resign for that. You need to resign because you touch someone in, in COVID distancing. So that's not the world we're meant to be building. It's not the world we're meant to be building. So how, how, how is a country meant to run? Not, not through force, not through coercion. It's like historical. It's, but what an important sentence. And, and then you, you find yourself asking the question, where, where are we and where is this? What, what, what is the strength that is meant to run a country? The faith of people to the ethical commitments of their leaders ethical commitments of their leaders. Their commitment to do what God said. This that we are aiming to build in Israel, right? Something different. We're not simply looking for independence from Egyptian oppression in order to build another Egypt. We didn't come to Israel. I know not everyone agrees, but we didn't come to Israel to build a 51st state of America. We came to Israel to build a Jewish state with Jewish values. Hamilim hem kudoshot, and words are meant to be holy. Ikaron kudushato shel hadibu omed belev hayadut. And you see from this week's parsha, in the beginning of the preparation to enter into Israel, the principle of the sanctity of words is at the heart of Judaism. The sanctity of words, the way we speak, what we say. This is collective freedom and is a statute of freedom. Ironi, who it's ironical, that uh, one of the brightest uh, critiques of Judaism, Nietzsche, identified that people have the ability to limit themselves, to, to, to control themselves through words. But that limitation, that control of words, is the basis, would you believe it, is, is, is the base of the ethical freedom of man. He writes, Nietzsche writes, to to bring up uh, an animal or a being who has the ability to give their word to promise that, that we will become people again, with all the halakhot aside as, as values you're a person that when, when you say something people know that you're going to do it they know that you're as good as your word, that you make a commitment to something, you say you're going to do it, something. I have to tell you that, that when I brought this up with, with some of the core staff three, four weeks before, before the run-up to the end of the year, of the Northern Hemisphere year, and, and, and I said that myself and Jeremy decided we're going to Poland, and people went off the edge with it. They said, you're crazy, Are you going to, now you're doing this? I said, yes. We promised the girls we would do it. If we could do it, we would do it. And if we can do it, we will do it. We made a promise and we will do it. 
people said, what are you talking about? You're not coming. There are all the different critiques. And, and we, Jeremy specifically, worked day and night to make sure this would happen. Why? Why? Because we gave our word. We said we would. Uh, and you'll see this as parents to your children. You, you'll learn the hard way, right? Because, because your children have this value when they're very little that you say something that they believe it. They have not been stained by mankind. They have not been disappointed by experience. And when Abba says he's going to do something, the kids expect him to do it. And if he doesn't do it, they will be broken. And you always make this mistake as a young parent. You know, you say, yeah, I'll do that, whatever. And, and, and you see the disappointment. It's not just a disappointment they're not doing what they're doing. It's a disappointment in you that you, you gave your word. You said you were going to do it. That's what they're upset about. You said that's nemanut, right? It's hitchaivut, and you didn't do it. I, I, and I learned very, very quickly that just don't promise if you can't do it. And if you, if you promise, you must do it. You must do it as much as it's humanly possible. Because that's nemanut, right? That's a, that's a belief. If, you, if you're in a country which we are at the moment, I don't know whether the countries you come from are any different, where a politician can say what he likes and it has nothing to do with reality, it's, we're bankrupt. It's bankrupt when anyone can say what they want and everyone knows it doesn't mean anything. This is what we're, the, 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 the we're trying to grow individuals that will give their word. This is what we're going to do and we're going to do everything we can to do it. We, we, that is our word. The word is coming. That's Ruach de Malala. It's, it's the word. It's Nefesh Chaya. I speak. I say, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. And I stand by it. Homo sapiens We're so different, says Rabbi Sachs, from, from animals because of our ability to use speech. We use it in different ways. We do it to describe. To communicate. To, to di- distinguish. To explain. It's a picture of our reality. The way we speak. And, and, and you'll see, right, the experiences that you have when, when you go through with this, with this incredible trip, how much comes out of your soul when you speak. How much of your soul when you speak? When, when, when you're sitting, and you can open up, and I'm sure Jeremy spoke about this with you, where it, the, the key to getting anything out of, out of the kind of journey you're going to make is, is just to be yourself, is to open up. You start doing shtick, it's, it's, it's lost, right? But just to be yourself and to be who you are. Uh, you can use language not just to describe, to obligate myself to do something in the future. I can bind myself with words. I had this experience, I'm just remembering now, about 31 and a half years ago, years before I was born. I, um, I, I, I'm 25, I don't Just make sure, I didn't mention that. You know, just, uh, so... I, it was half a year before I made Aliyah, and I, it was less than half. It was Yom Ha'at in 1989, and I, uh, I was getting a number of offers. I was working for B'nai Akiva, and I, I, had, an, and, and, and I had this idea that I was going to make Aliyah. That's what B'nai Akiva's about, right? So, um, but people were starting to offer me, you know, I was going around communities all the time as head of B'nai Akiva speaking or whatever, and certain rabbis came up to me and they said, well, why don't you do smicha here and be a rabbi in England? And I'd always wanted to be a rabbi of a community. I knew it's very unlikely I'd do that in Israel. And I, I, I always wanted to be. And I was starting to get this kind of nudge in me. Oh, think about it, think about it. And I said, no, no, you have an ideology. I thought, well, how am I going to make this work? So we had an event on Yom Ha'atzma'ut with about 500 people there. And I stood up on the podium and I said, on this day I pledge to everyone here that I will make Aliyah on the 15th of November. And I knew that once I said that, I had to do it. Because how could I live with myself, standing in front of everyone and saying, I'm going to... And I almost did it. It was filled even. And I, but here, it's exactly what, right? I, I used words to oblige myself to a commitment. 
And that was bound. Once I did that, that, that all the dilemmas fell aside. I, I, his sentence reminds me that to oblige myself that this is what I'm going to do. This is what's going to happen to Lital very soon. Her husband is going to stand under the chupi and he's going to say to her, And once he said that, she's his wife. If he looked at another woman, aye, aye, aye. he wouldn't dare. Right? With those, with those, four words. That's it. Married. That's commitment. That's four words, ladies. What is this? Just words. And with those words. He's married. They are one. There has to be a legal procedure to, to dispense of that reality now. You create a reality with your words. We do that all the time, ladies, right? Not necessarily with a commitment, but you... I hope you haven't had this experience, but I'm sure you probably had, when you've said something to someone, and it's never going to be the same after you said it, and you never meant it, and, and you, you regret it, but once you've said it, a million words can't make up for those four words or five words that you might have said in a moment of anger or frustration. And, and you, you just can't turn history back. You just can't. The sanctity of words. Just those words legally bind the man to, uh, to married life. So when we bind ourselves with words, here, here, we're not using words to describe, right? We're using words to create. Right? Incredible, right? We, we're using words to create. What makes man different from animal isn't just that we use words. The only other being that ever created with words was God. God created the world with words. We create reality with words. We create reality with words. Animals talk, right? They bark, they meow, whatever they do. Uh, we'll do old McDonald's farm afterwards. I'll teach it to you. I'll put it on the screen and we can each be different animals or whatever. You know, we can... But, but they make noises. One of the girls I interviewed had a parrot, but she wouldn't bring it into the room. I said, I want to see the parrot. She, she said, the parrot speaks Yiddish, right? It speaks like, well, the grandma or whatever. Her grandma had a parrot where the parrot speaks Yiddish. So I wanted to hear the parrot, you know, but... But I'm talking about something in the future. I'm creating something with my lips, with my mouth. I'm creating, and when I, when I say, when I oblige myself to something, I'm creating something. You, you swear to God in court, and you lie in court, you go to jail for perjury. In a non-Jewish court, you go to jail for perjury. You put your hand on a Bible and you swear to God in court and then they, they prove that you've lied, you go to jail. It's a, it's a criminal offence. And this ability to create with words attaches us to God. God used words to create the world. We use words to create our social world. To create our social reality. We use words to create the social reality we live in. The, the Torah is telling us in this week's parasha that words are holy. We, we, we speak too much, right? We, we talk a lot. We do a lot of rubbish as well. And now we have more kalim to talk with. We have the WhatsApps. And we, you know, there was a time, I'm sure you know, that, that when you wanted to send a message to someone, you had to write a letter. So... Uh, to write a letter is, is much easier than writing an email or a WhatsApp. Why? Because when you wrote a letter to someone, so you made mistakes, right? So there was a first draft, but then there was a second draft which was tidier. There's no spell check, so you have to... Uh, and then when, when you... Once you've written the letter, you have to fold it up, you have to put it in an envelope, address it, stamp it, and then take it to a post box. You have time to think about the whole process. There's no time to think now. How much time is there between posting something and deleting for everyone. How much time have you got officially? Seven minutes. seven minutes? After seven minutes, it's over, right? 
it's too late. Something happened at the beginning of last year. None of you were here yet. Some, we, the girls were having a very, a very big problem with dealing with some of the uh, distancing rules. And uh, no, they were very, very strict to the beginning. You never, you never got close to it. You probably got close to it in, in your countries, but, but they were very, very strict. And with, with lots of young institutions in the rover, the challenge was formidable. And Ufda, um, right, that, that once some of the yeshivas got COVID, some of us got COVID as well. And I don't know how if we don't speak to them, but it, it, just, <laughs> it just happened. Um, and one of the teachers was so upset, he, he sent a voice message, which he thought he sent to me, very, very angry with the girls, but it went on absolute harova. I can tell you it was an absolute harova for about, I would say, a minute and a half. And I got a call from a parent. I didn't even see it. It was deleted before I saw it. I got a call from a parent after three minutes. Power of words. He's a frustrated teacher. Well, he wasn't saying anything terribly wrong. He was frustrated. It, was, it wasn't what the girls wanted to hear. And the girls must have been, like, praying to their phone. And they saw, they saw the phone and they, they, they heard it. He deleted it within a minute. But I got a phone call from a parent. I'm telling you, five minutes later, she said, that was a disgusting voice message. Who sent that? I, I said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Because he didn't just delete it. it was, he then deleted the delete, right? So you can't see it at all. I didn't even hear it. I didn't even he hear it. Huh? I think it's after you delete for everyone, I think you can then delete the, the thing that you sent it, no? The, 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 or maybe just on your own. I, d I don't know. I didn't see the... My mamash didn't see the message, but the girl not only heard it, but she sent it to her parents. Talk about... Honestly, I don't know. You can tell what two minutes it must have been. Did you see it when it came up? But how long was it on for? Two minutes? It's mamashkach, because I was, I was dealing with an issue. It was Erev, Erev, Erev Shemini Atzeret, or Erev Hoshana Rabbah, I think it was. And I was dealing with an issue, and the power of words, my God, in the old days, right, you, you had time to think about what you were saying. And livro olam chevrati, but you can also destroy an olam chevrati with words. You can destroy... Uh, Words are holy and they are ob obligating. And, and when you show commitment with your words, you create belief and faith. If you are consistent with your words, if you're truthful with your words, and people believe you and you believe them, and it is everything. Everything. Honestly, it's not an understatement. Everything is about trust. Me trusting you, you trusting me. And if, if you can't have that trust, you, 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 can no longer, you can no longer work together. I got so many stories. In 2002, we had a very bad uh, terrorist year. And the way things work sometimes is that uh, you get information from the Soknud or whatever. And we got information. It was a Monday evening. And we got information that there was a terrorist car in Jerusalem. They knew what car they were looking for. That was, that was, the, that was the detail of the information. And I stood up at, just before Shekhali and I told the girls, we're staying in the Rova tonight because there's a, a terrorist warning in Jerusalem. We're staying in the Rova. As I was leaving, I, one of the girls came up to me and she said to me like this. She said, I know there's no terrorist warning. You just want us to stay in the Rova tonight. And I stopped in my tracks and I sat down and I said, you know, if that's what you think, uh, I should resign and you should leave. Because if that, if you honestly believe that I would tell girls that there's a terrorist in Jerusalem so that you won't go out tonight? Is it really? So there's zero trust. Well, I would use the, the elah of terrorism to stop girls going out on a Monday night. And I care. I mean... So if there's no trust, there's nothing. Right? If you don't believe a word, and no one believes what each other is saying. So in the same way that you have laws of nature, trust is, is, is the essence of our human existence. Trust and belief. You saw in that film that we showed, that sentence, you might have missed that sentence, when Hitler turns to Rome and he says... You know I don't keep my promises. You, you know, and I wouldn't... A bit, it was obvious. You, 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 absolute evil. You know I don't mean anything that I say. You, more than anyone else, know that. You're a murderer and I'm a murderer. You know that I don't keep my promises. 
So why have you got to have a minute that I promise this and I promise that? I don't keep promises. You're not a human being. You're worse than an animal. You don't keep promises. Uh, this, is, this is the opposite of it. Chaos is a result when people cannot have trust for each other. So you have to know. It's quite an incredible comment, right? Because honestly, if you're reading these two parshas, you could miss this at the beginning. Most of the themes here are about tribes and about going over the Aldein, about uh, different commitments that Reuben and Gad and Chatzim and Asher have to make, uh, about the Masaot of Israel in the Midbar. And you could miss the first parsha that talks about that. So the Rabbi Sachs says, no, no, don't miss this. Because Erev Kinisala Aretz, on the eve of our entry into the land, Eneno Mikri, this isn't a coincidence that God has chosen to discuss the power of speech. And this, this is a, a message that should be refreshing for us today. A free society depends on absolute trust and faith that you believe your leaders, that, that, that you believe, that, that you don't believe all the time that there are conspiracies and there's a conspiracy for this and a conspiracy for that. You know, there, there are people, I'm sure you know, maybe some of you feel that way, that think that corona is a conspiracy. I can't live my life like that. I, I can't, you know. That, that if, if everything's a conspiracy, I just, I'd rather just live in a house on my own until I die. If everything's a conspiracy, I just don't want to know. I just don't want to be part of it. Well, every, I've, got to be, I've got to look the other way every time someone does something. Is it, every time there's a new, everything's a manipulation. There has to be trust. And, and trust is based on keeping our word, on, on fulfilling, on fulfilling our commitments. That's, that's the basis of trust. And this is, this is fundamental to Judaism. It's fundamental to Judaism. You use, you use your words, you use your mouth to create reality. So let's, with the time we have left, just pop over to a bit of chassidut with Yotivot Shalom. We are told when we uh, are meant to keep a, uh, when we make a neder, lo yechal devaro, right? That you, you, you must keep your word. That's what it means. Lo yechal devaro. You make a neder, you must fulfill the neder, right? You say you're going to do something, you made a neder. It's an isu Torah not to do what you said you were going to do. So see what Yotivot Shalom says. Yotivot Shalom says, Ladies, Melbourne, you've never been in Shiva before. I finish at seven. So it doesn't matter how many sources there are on the page. At seven, I turn into a pumpkin. Okay, so you don't... Sometimes people see a lot of sources. Oh my God, look at the clock, look at the sources. I don't know what's going to be. And you don't have to worry. At seven o'clock, I turn into a pumpkin and all the mice, they on my car, they turn into mice again and I have to walk home. <laughs> but that's not really true. Okay. <laughs> Everything that comes out of your mouth, you must, you must do. Do not desecrate your words. Do not turn your words into, into words of, of secularism, words that aren't holy. Why doesn't the passage do not transgress your words? Why does it say lo yechal devaro, lo yechal devaro? Or madua nechtab belashon zeshel chulin. And he said, why? Because your words are holy. And if you don't keep your words, if you don't keep Shabbos, what's it called? Mechalel Shabbat. Like you desecrate Shabbat. It's not you just didn't keep Shabbat. You're mechalel Shabbat. So if you don't keep your word, you're mechalel devaro. You desecrate your words. Words are holy. uh, you say certain words, and then you are bound by those words. I can change something with words. I can, I can make something holy. I can make something kadosh to Akadosh Baruch Hu. 
וחל עליו חלוק מחודשת על איסור חפסה. ויש לבאר, so I want to explain, says נתיבות שלום, על פי מה שכתב רבנו יונה, כי יהודי המקדש את פיו נעשה פיו ככלי שרת. If we sanctify our mouths, and what's coming out of our mouths, and, and, and understand this as well, ladies, it, it, it hits us in so many different directions, because, you know, if you're listening to certain songs or music, and you're just singing the words, right? Not because you think the words have any importance, but because you like the tune, so you're singing the song. You understand the words are coming out of your mouth. There's your soul is speaking. So is that good for your soul or is that bad for your soul? If I'm, if I'm singing uh, Scaramouche, Scaramouche, can you do the Fandango, Thunderbolts of Lightning, very, very frightening, Galileo, Galileo, let me go, oh, 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 oh. I'm just a poor boy, nobody loves me. So what, what, what am I doing with, with the sanctity of my mouth? I'm, I'm, I have the ability to to read Psukim and to say Psukim. And to be honest, those words compared to some of the words coming out of the songs today are really not a problematic at all. But, but I, you know, I'm just... You see, the, you see the way it is today, right? It's, there, there's so many things today that are so interesting. Pandora's bones, right? That, that God says to man, when man becomes aware of God, he starts putting on clothes. And people in our society are taking off clothes. It was always a sign of human dignity to wear clothes. And it's a, a sign of human dignity to speak as a human being. But now we have these songs where the, it's how many songs can you say in 30 seconds banging a drum? Uh, and, and that's a talent, apparently. It's taking ruach de malalala, this, this ruach of speech, totally desecrating it, just throwing out words just because they rhyme. It's totally taking it's like the greatness of man and the power of speech, the power to create and turn it into a drumbeat. There's not much more, there's no meaning to it, it's just loads and loads and loads and loads of words. And we don't care about those words, they don't mean anything, they don't change our life. It's a, but, but it's like the opposite of what we're saying here, right? It's use words, use, use words for sanctity. Use it. it's, it's a power that God has given man to project himself, to create, not to just throw out a thousand words in five minutes uh, at the speed of lightning to a drumbeat. It's just so interesting how... how this was written long before raps began, and uh, it's so interesting how, how the way the Western world is going is so different to the way the Torah projects. And we're living in that world. It makes our, it makes our challenges very great, uh, despite the fact that it, 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 it is not at all music, and the advantage of that music existing is you can probably listen to it in the nine days because it's not remotely musical in any way. I feel sorry for your generation that you weren't brought up on the brilliance of uh, Simon and Garfunkel and John Lennon, but bad luck. Uh, you can listen to recordings, I suppose, but, uh, but, but I, you can't actually listen to it in the nine days, but, but I'm just saying, it's, it's, it, isn't, it isn't remotely musical. There's no talent here, there's no guitar, there's nothing. But, but it's the opposite of what he's saying here, right? It's, it's choose your words, create with your words, commit with your words. Don't just throw out a hundred words in a minute. At the beat of a drum. You know what a klisha is in the Mikdash? You put something in a klisha, you make it holy. So my mouth, when it brings out words, is, is bringing out holiness. My mouth is a cliche, and when I say things, I create holiness. What I can do with my mouth, I can create holiness. And yet, I, I have to be honest with you, ladies, uh, it might take you a bit of time to digest this because I never thought about this till I put this shit together. I managed to know, I never really, I know about Shmirat al but I never thought about my mouth as. Uh, and when you look in the other sources, which are far too complex to do today, like the Maharali, talk different types of speech, speech coming from the souls, where, where, and speech coming from the body, because the Maharali asks the question, why does Chazal tell us to be quiet then, if speech is holiness? So he says, oh, well, that's physical speech, when it's bad speech. That's what Chazal meant when they said, said be quiet. But, but, but if it's holy speech, then you, you can sanctify. So why was the mouth 
specified over everything else in the body. The whole point of Israel's creation is to sing my praises, is to use that Ruach to Malala to to create God in the world, to bring God into the world. If I want to speak a lot, so sit down and say Tehillim. Beautiful. So yeah, look into Tehillim. You need to know a bit of Hebrew to appreciate Tehillim because to say it in English, it loses a lot. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's not the same as Hashem Roi Loechsa. It's not the same, right? Translating poetry is... is so this is a theme. This is uh, it's what we've been doing here all year. Is is been taking in ideas and and vocalizing those ideas uh, as human beings. Just briot to go to the bathroom to eat meals to to take ideas and and use use uh, our mouth to reflect holiness. So let, let's wind up over the page with a, a little piece from Rebbe Nachman. I just, I just came across this morning by accident. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a small Torah in Kaftet. He says, not, not every speech is considered speech. This is so kashur to what Rabbi Sachs was saying. If what you're saying is not received, then you're not saying anything. If, if what you're saying, why? I mean, this fits in with Torah Aleph as well, where Rabbi Nachman explains that people listen to you depending on what your inner intent is when you speak. And therefore, if you have an ulterior motive, people often won't hear what you say. They won't listen to what you say. But if, if they do listen, then it's real dibur. It's a beautiful way that Chassidut learns Pesukim, Rabbi Nachum Bimyuchad. It's not speech if it's not heard. Heard doesn't mean you hear it, it means it penetrates. Right? If, if, if people don't hear it. And people receive speech, people will, will internalize speech if there is good in it, if there is truth in it. You, you will find that the most successful speakers are, are people who speak from their heart. Why? Because it's true. Because if, if you speak from your heart, it's true. It, you mean it. And if it's shtick, people know. People know, kids know. I found that out also very early as a parent. That if you say no and you mean no, your kids don't argue. But if you say no and you're not really sure, your kids know it, they feel it, they can feel it, they can feel that the dibble isn't true. He died at the age of 38. He had so much emet rebi nachum. It's not considered words if people don't listen to you. And people listen to dibble because there's good in it. Because everyone wants good. So you can disagree with someone, you cannot like what they say, but you will appreciate what they say if it's truth. You don't have to agree with them. But you will appreciate what they say if you know it's truth, if you know they believe what they say. Why, why, why do you love listening to Rabbeli or Rabbi Victor? Because, because Rabbeli is passionate. Uh, he's screaming it because it's the essence of who he is. And Rabbi Victor will just argue with you like a little boy all day because, because he, he is so stubbornly believing in what he's saying. But, but why does that make him so... It make, that, but that's what you love about it. What you love about it is that the people are speaking their truth and therefore it's mit kabel. You know how you can leave the room not agreeing with what they said, but you love the shit because, because you can see, see Rabbi Victor's soul when he's speaking and you can see Rabbi's soul when he's speaking. And the same with Rabberg, you see it as well. That's why. Why does everyone go ah oh, when you say Rabberg? Because because oh, one more ah. Oh. Because 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 it's just Rabberg, right? It's his soul coming out when he speaks. It's and Ravioli's the same, right? But but what is the? It's it's. I have to tell you, it's the greatest compliment I've ever had about the midrashah, is when and it's been said to me many many times, 
you know, what, what people love about the teachers is they are what they teach. And that is exactly what Rabbi Nachman is saying here. They are what they teach, which means, If your voice isn't heard, you're not speaking. And if, you, if, you, if it just goes out, the person isn't speaking. So when there's good in what you're saying, people will listen. There's a lesson here for us as well, ladies. You should always, always speak your truth. You should always speak your truth. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to insult people, God forbid, or be rude to people, or be insensitive to people, but you should always speak your truth. You can never go wrong by speaking the truth. Honestly, you can never go wrong. You can never go wrong. If there's good, it will mitkaber. But if there's no good, if it's manipulative, if you have an agenda, it will not mitkaber. So how do you make good in the dibur? Speaking with Seicha. Speaking with the Seicha. With Da'at. Speaking with Da'at. Again, not rapping, not throwing out words, not speaking without speaking with Da'at. But there'll be good there. But when you speak without Da'at, without, like an animal, right? You just speak, the words just come out. Then there's no Da'at, and you're Tov. And uh, So something to, to take away with, not a massive macro a theme, but a very important theme for us because we're all human beings and we all spend our time thinking. <coughs> and um, we still have a few days left together. And uh, please God, we should have a meaningful time over the next month or so. Uh, goes, without, goes without saying, ladies, the first thing is just technically, you should know, technically from Friday, uh, any, any technical questions you have have to go to B'nai Akiva, but it goes without saying that if you have any problems of any kind that you need myself or Yakira, you can always be in touch, okay? Uh, you have any questions? Um, uh, I, think Jeremy, I think Jeremy has told you as well.